Hello, everyone. This is the Feed the Ball podcast. I'm Derek Duncan. Today, I'm speaking with Keith Reb. Keith Reb is a designer and shaping specialist who's worked with Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw, along with their team of legendary builders and shapers, uh, for 10 or 11 years now. He's been involved in the construction of some of the greatest modern golf courses, and he's worked around the world at places like Lost Farm at Barnboogle Dunes in Tasmania. He's worked in Japan, Cabot Cliffs in Canada, Streamsong in Florida. But most recently, and perhaps most importantly to him, he had a chance last year, along with designer, shaper, and artist Riley Johns, a friend of his, to go out on their own and start a a new project under their own banner. The project was a remodel of a nine-hole course at Winter Park in Florida, a run-down municipal golf course on its last legs. And Riley and and Keith were able to, to go in and take that job deliver a great product, incorporate some great design features, rehabilitate the golf course, and also help revitalize the community who've really taken to it and been supportive and and had input into the design and the process of building the golf course. Most probably important to them, they came in under budget and on time, and we get into the, the discussion about the Winter Park Project and all that it's meant to them in the podcast. Reb represents the next uh, upcoming generation of design-build architects uh, who learned from other design-build architects like Tom Doak and Corin Crenshaw and Gil Hans. And this, this new wave of, of architects has a much more fluid and dynamic view of the profession, especially in the way they approach operations and the way that they're able to collaborate on designs. Mostly, though, our conversation is, is a reminder that golf courses are not just made by a few sketches on a piece of paper or, or clicks of a button on a computer, but really by guys or girls on machinery, in the ground, working in the dirt, seeing holes evolve, and really showing that building golf courses is an organic and collaborative process. So it was fantastic to get a chance to talk to Keith about all that and get his feelings and perspectives on the business from the vantage point of being a young architect. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. texting over the weekend and I said you know what can you do like during the daytime and you said I'm, I'm actually at work and I didn't really, it's just completely uh <laughs> spa- I spaced out that you're you're on the job and and you've got things to do during the day rather than just uh talk to me um so you're back in uh you're back in Missouri now at, at the uh I guess it's called Ozark National now no. Is that the latest? Uh, Ozark course. Yeah, it's Ozark course. Yeah, there's so many names. It's... It went from the Ridge course to the Ozark course, the Ozark National. Everyone kind of throws their own little layer on it. So, But from from, from right now on the sign driving in, it's the Ozarks course. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll go with that then. Um, so I'm, okay. I'm curious, okay. after uh, after you've been in the field all day and you're, you're uh, pushing dirt around and getting dirty, uh, what do you do at the end of the day? How do you like to wind down? Are you staying at? Are you staying at the? Do they put you up the lodge there, or or they got you in uh, some other place? No, um, we. I got a place down by Branson Hills Golf Course, so they actually have um, kind of golf cottages. So I'm staying in one of those places here. So it's it's a great place. It's right across the street from a gym, and so a lot of times at the end of the day, I I'm sitting in the machine all day, so I try to get out and go for a walk or run just to kind of get some exercise and get the blood flowing. Yeah. So, and then I just kind of un- unwind, you know, and then talk to my wife over Skype or FaceTime and, and then just kind of maybe maybe do some sketching or something like that and just kind of 
unwind and get ready for the next day. So you can't get in too much trouble. Uh, sounds like you're focusing on the job, which I'm sure everybody... Yeah, yeah, you know it is. I mean, it's always one of those times where, you know, even in at Winter Park, it was always time, always hard to kind of shut off your mind from the job when you come home. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of where when I'm here, I kind of have my mind on the job. And then when I get home, when I get off that plane and then I get back home, then it's like shut off work, <laughs> focusing on connecting with my wife and, and being there for her and, and enjoying the time that we have when we're together. How long have you been married? Um, I think... Yeah, I think uh, it's been eleven years now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot so, there. Oh, she she probably won't no, listen no, to this no, anyway. No, no, yeah, you know, no. she does That's the whole thing with her too. It's like we're so laid back about it. Anniversaries or birthdays or anything like that. No, no big worries yeah. about that. So yeah, eleven years now. So. Awesome. Well, congratulations. I, I, you probably think about this sometimes. Is the nature of what you do, you know, you're, it's just a, it's a nomadic life. You, you travel to different places, you know, you can't, you're not just not going to get jobs in your, in your own hometown or your own, even your own home state. Um, so are you, how are you dealing with that? Just knowing that if you stick with this and, you know, you become as successful as, as it looks like you're going to become, you're going to be on the road quite a bit. Well, the one thing is, is, uh, it's what we've known since we've been married. And even before when we were dating, I was working up in Chicago and she was going to graduate school out in Rochester, New York. So it's just, it's what we've always been used to. And and the reason I can do this is because of my wife and being so supportive in that and understanding and being independent. And I mean, I don't know, just the sacrifices that she's made for me to do what I do. You know, I mean, when we had the job come together for to go to Lost Farm, she quit her job and moved there with me. And we hadn't even seen, <laughs> we never even knew where Bridport was. We'd never been there. we never seen it. We showed up that day and that was where we were going to be living. So her sacrifice is what, what makes this job easy for me. She uh, makes it very easy for me to do what I need to do and very supportive and my biggest cheerleader when it comes to what I do. Yeah, I mean, it's a good feeling when you get on that airplane and you're leaving town to know that you've got that support system and somebody's, you know, is supportive and is your biggest fan and is going to be smiling when you come back. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, you know, that's the biggest thing, you know, I'm, you know, in Japan, I'm in Australia, you know, at the times where she came back for a while and then I was there, you know, we're, we're talking, <laughs> it's night here and it's day there and you find a way to connect in other ways, you know, and it makes you focus on those connections and communication and, and it makes you value the time that you have together. So it's one of those things where some people might not understand it. And, and it's kind of like, I would almost say it's like a lifestyle in some ways because, you know, some, some people are used to their spouse showing up each day, you know, being there every day. And then when they go, they're kind of like, Oh man, I, I really miss them. <laughs> For us, it's, you know, we really value the time that we have together. Christy flies up and hangs out with me for a while, you know, and we break up the time. And we, we always try to make an effort to try to be together. But it's the, the nature of this, this business. <laughs> you, it's not very often that you get the opportunities like a winter park where, you know, you're living 15 minutes away from, from a course that you're building. Yeah, it's you know that's not a nice, not a bad place to to live either. Winter Park's a really nice, nice little community. There's a lot to do there, so that's a that's a plus. Yeah, are you? 
I see that you've been, you lived in Florida for a while then, or I know that you're in Georgia now. I did. I live, um, so you're familiar with the area. Yeah, absolutely. I spend a lot of time traveling down to Orlando. I was up in Gainesville, uh, for yeah, about three years and, uh, just exploring golf throughout Florida. And, you know, you know, there's a lot, a lot down in the Orlando area. And, um, my father-in-law actually worked in winter park for a while my wife bought her wedding dress at some boutique in Winter Park. So I've got a lot of memories of that place. Yeah. I never played that golf course, so I um, I don't have any knowledge of it before the work that you yeah. did. I don't think there was any reason to particularly for an out, out-of-towner to go play it, but I, that, that's all changed now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's when I was living there, so basically I, I showed up in Florida. I, I moved there. I was working for Landscapes Unlimited, and then they gave me the call to say, hey, you know, Cor Crenshaw called and said, we got this job in Claremont, Florida, Sugarloaf Mountain. Are you interested in joining the team? And I think I was, it was starting to snow there and I, I got in the vehicle and I said, I'll be there the next week. So that was kind of a, the start of me moving to Florida and then, you know, then worked on Sugarloaf and then went to Australia and then came back and then Stream Song and then, you know, went away for, went to Cabot. Yokohama, Japan, and then Winter Park came about. So I always drove by that course, you know, and I always looked at it as like, man, this place, it has potential and just, it has character. It's the city streets, the downtown area. It just, I feel like, you know, Winter Park has so much character and kind of, I don't know what the word would be for it, but it just, I guess just, I'll just say character because a lot of you know, Orlando, you have the amusement parks, you have all this, and you have culture there in Winter Park. So it's always neat to walk down, you know, Park Avenue, and then you get down to the end, and then here's Winter Park Golf Course. So I always saw it as a kind of like driving by, thinking like, I can see that this place is struggling, <laughs> you know, from, from just the character or the, the greens are shrinking, everything, but never knew that. <laughs> you know, four or five years down the road that I had the opportunity to actually be part of designing and building it and bringing it back to life. So. I want to, we'll come back to winter park. Cause that's a big part of your story, okay. um, but let's go, let's go reset. So let me just ask you, so you grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska and um, what, what were you like as a kid? I mean, were you skateboarding around town or did you play sports? What was your, what was your life like? Um, yeah. I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska, I was always into the outdoors and, you know, trying to hike and climb and things like that. But I didn't have that link. And so I always had to travel to other places to go do those things. But, you know, I never was a golfer. I didn't grow up golfing. My dad was left-handed, so I didn't get the hand-me-down clubs, you know, <laughs> that most kids get when they, when they start the game. And, you know, I was into soccer and, you know, just being outdoors. And, you know, I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska is a, a great place, great people, and the friendliest people that you can ever be around. And I just, Nebraska football, all the things that (laughs) you think about Nebraska, but it's, uh, it it is a great city to grow up in. When you were, when you were in high school and thinking about making the next step, going into college or, or starting a job, what did, what did you envision yourself doing? Uh, if anything, I I guess I didn't really have a, yeah, I didn't really have a vision of saying, okay, this is, I didn't say, okay, I, I, I'm going to be a golf course architect or a designer. I still have a hard time saying architect in that form, but it being a, a designer, I never thought that that would be my path or, or even doing golf. I mean, golf wasn't on the radar at all. 
you know, it was, uh, I mean, the one thing I knew is I wanted to work outside and, and the way I learn, I learned more visually than sitting down and reading out of a book. <laughs> so I knew I had to be more hands-on and learning in the field than, than reading things and going to class. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's kind of in high school, I probably wasn't the best student. Yeah. I was just going to, um, I saw where that was going. I was going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I was always kind of looking at, you know, I'm ready to, you know, kind of get out, out there and, and experience things and, and see what's out there other than just being in Lincoln, I guess. You know, I wanted to explore and get away and, and see new things, but I just never knew what, what, that, would, what, what that would be to take me to another area or another town or another city or anything like that. But yeah, I wasn't a good student. <laughs> I mean, I so you were you were I, I try my best. Yeah, but. you were uh, you wanted to, you knew you wanted to be outdoors, and it is interesting that you weren't yeah. really into golf. You've probably in, in your line of work now. I mean, you've you probably run across so many people who had a desire when they were you know a young boy to be a golf designer or to be in working in golf somehow. Does that? And I know that's true because, you know, I, I'm one of them. I remember when I was, you know, in high school, I wrote an, an essay about how I, I wanted to be a golf course architect. Um, and I, I was a junkie. So you meet people like who had this, this driving goal, this desire to be in golf, and you didn't. And yet here you are doing what everybody else was aspiring to without even necessarily angling for that. Is that, is that still strange to you on some level or are you completely acclimated to golf geekdom? No, I mean, I, I I love it. I love when people have the passion, and and it's just I'm so fortunate to have the people in my life that gave me the opportunities to be where I am now. I had so many people like Dave Axon, Bill Core, Ben Crenshaw, all these guys that gave me the opportunity to get on equipment and just go out there and fail or succeed or anything like that. They never ever got mad at me, <laughs> never said I failed, never did anything wrong. You know, it's like, go out and have fun. You know, that was just the biggest thing, you know, Bill just saying, go out and have fun. So it's just, I think, you know, having those, without having those people in my life that gave me the opportunities, I don't think I would be where I am now. You know, I would probably want to enjoy being in this field or, you know, I had people that said, no, this is the way you need to do it. Here's the box, paint and the lines, <laughs> Don't go outside this box. Mm-hmm. But I've had people that have really given me the opportunity to to succeed and put a lot of trust in me. So you're, you're, I mean, some of the things that Bill is, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, Keith. I was going to say your your proverbial ticket out of town was a job with Landscapes Unlimited, um, working on building golf courses, and that took you out of Nebraska in in different parts of the country. What what? What was your job there? What were what was your day to day activity? Did you sense the freedom working for that company? The same? Did you feel the same freedom that when you got to work with Corn Crenshaw, or, or how did that lay the groundwork? What was that landscape unlimited experience like? As a, a long winded question, sorry. No, no, that's a great question, Derek. Um, you know, my first opportunity, you know, when I went to landscapes, I was doing concrete work in Lincoln, Nebraska. So you know, that's like form it up you know, painting the lines, <laughs> you know, you have A, B, A plus B equals C. You know, I mean, everything had to fit that formula. You're, you can't have creativity with concrete and too many, unless you're doing like a patio for someone at their house. But there's guidelines, there's 
structure there. So once I got a chance to go with landscapes, you know, I went interviewed with landscapes. I got hired and I got sent to like that next week, I got sent to Agar, South Dakota to work at Sutton Bay. And my first week there, I spent picking up rocks out of the fairway with a five gallon bucket for the whole week. That's all I did was pick up rocks to get ready for planting. Were you like, give me back to concrete? You know, I had that, no, I, I just, I remember having that. I remember stopping and looking out at the landscape. And, and, and kind of taking in, you know, this this golf course is being built on the ground that people have worked so hard and we're getting here. We're, we're doing the final stages of prepping this to get this planted. This is the last the last details you're going to do before you plant this fairway. And, and just knowing that everyone works so hard on that and I'm there just picking up rocks. But I, I just kind of had that moment where I looked out at everything. And I said, I, I found what I want to do. <laughs> you know, this is this is what I want to do. You know, and I learned so much from landscapes and limited. I mean, there's so there's so much you can learn from a, from the contractor type, you know, mode of things. And then you have the core Crenshaw, you know, design build type model. But I learned so much. I mean, there's so many opportunities. Like I said, with even landscapes. You know, guys like a John Klinkerman that gave me the opportunity to just have the freedom to work with Cor Crenshaw when I first met them at Colorado Golf Club. You know, John Klinkerman said, hey, go work with Dave Atson, go work with these guys and, and kind of be part of their team, even though I was still working for Landscapes. And, that, you know, that, that led to me, you know, really getting to know the guys with Cor Crenshaw and then leading later on to actually being able to work for them. So I guess to answer your question, I mean, you learn a lot. I mean, you, you know, you learn a lot of things that maybe you don't want to do and you learn a lot of things that, you know, this is how you should do it. And I think that's what I think landscapes is definitely the stepping stone to me being where I am now. So I'm very appreciative of what yeah, well, didn't... Bill Kubley hiring me <laughs> on the spot <laughs> and saying, you know, here's, here's what you're going to do. You know, you're going to go to South Dakota <laughs> Well, I mean, if, if you'd done a landscaped unlimited project in like um, suburban, you know, housing development, you, it might not have stuck. The impression might not have been as great. It's probably a real another stroke of luck that you were in this beautiful, wide open prairie setting where Sutton Bay is. And, you know, it, it has to stir the soul more than being hemmed in by people hammering two by fours together, building houses. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like I said, there's so many things that I look back on and, you know, just having those opportunities to to be out there. I'm picking up rocks, you know, <laughs> but to just be out there to get the experience that, you know, and I just remember sitting in, and this is kind of a funny story, but maybe not, but, but I'm sitting in the, the office at Landscapes Unlimited and I'm waiting for my interview and I pick up a magazine and I start reading this article about this golf course, you know, Mullen, Nebraska. I'm kind of reading about it. I read about these guys that are designing it, that are, you know, using the land. And they're minimalist and it's very cost effective. And, and just going down the list of all these like really neat things. And I'm thinking, man, you know, I hope that when I'm in this field that maybe I get an opportunity. And if this is what this field is, then I'm very interested in it. And fast forward five years then. <laughs> I'm, you know, have the opportunity to work closely with Core Crenshaw. So, I mean, you start putting those things, you kind of start walking back and you start looking at those, like, little moments before I like Sandhills. I, that was the first time I ever heard of Sandhills when I'm sitting in the office. First time I'm ever hearing about Core Crenshaw, ever hearing the word minimalist, yeah. you know, and, and then, then it's like, boom, <laughs> 
you know, and, and then learning the difference and, and learning from the other architects that I worked with, but then also seeing how the approach of Court Crenshaw really fit, I guess, philosophies I didn't really know I had, <laughs> you know, kind of, a, you know, explore and say, hey, this is, I, I enjoy the outdoors. I, you know, I enjoy the environment. I, you know, I want to be a steward of the, the, the environment. And these guys are doing it by not disturbing large amounts of land. And they're trying to leave a, you know, a very little footprint after they're done and trying to make it look like it was always there. So when you were with Landscapes Unlimited, were you, is that when you learned how to work a bulldozer? Did you get up to that point where you were doing shaping for them? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes with landscapes, you know, there always be like a, an old dozer there sitting on the job. So I just remember one of the guys there, you know, his name was Lonnie Jap, and he'd always have a big old dip of chew in his mouth. <laughs> and I just remember him yelling at me because I, I didn't get the blade. I wasn't pushing the blade to the ground. So I thought I was pushing dirt, but it was actually like four <laughs> inches above the ground. He's just yelling at me, you know, like boss hog. That's that, that's how he looked was boss hog uh-huh. from Dukes of Hazard with a big dip in his mouth, yelling at me, get that blade in the ground, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing, but you know, that's just the opportunities that you have that people give you to hop on a piece of machinery at the end of the day. And that's how you kind of learn, you know, that was the first time I was being on, on, on a dozer. And then I just slowly would learn different pieces of machinery. Like I was really good at a skid loader. So I went to a dozer excavator. And the first really opportunity that I had to shape was at Colorado Golf Club when the rest of the guys like Jimbo Wright and Jim Craig and Jeff Bradley all got called to go to Wickapaw to start that project. Yeah. And there was a little short course to be at Colorado to be built. And I don't know, have you have you been to? I know that you live in Colorado for a little while. Did you, have you ever been to Colorado Golf I Club? I have. Or? Yeah, I love that. I love that place. That's a okay. great setting. And yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Colorado because that's a, a really underrated golf course in the Cora Crenshaw portfolio. Um, it's a spectacular setting and a huge. I mean, a huge open vistas. It starts off high, kind of on an upper level, transitions through some pines, and then you get down into that lower rolling prairie uh spectacular site and the holds really roam the property and take advantage of every bit of it you know then they have to get back up to the to the clubhouse and the finishing hole as well so it's a real adventure it's a real tour through a great property so that was that was kind of my first opportunity to actually officially kind of shape a green or 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 kind of even know what i was actually doing you know i mean i've always been able to kind of build things but i didn't really know what i was building i guess in some ways it explain that but like on a green like i can make something that look neat but i didn't really know if that was playable what's a slope is this running that four or five percent you know that's not playable you know it looks neat but but it doesn't work and that's where i got the opportunity because all the guys have gone to the next project that they let me work with dave axlin and dave axlin i mean man talk about a guy with so much knowledge you know and and talent and, and that's the guy that I first had to teach me and, and let me learn on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say, Keep, here's a set of plans, hit this grade, here's how big this green is, this is where this bunker goes. And he was just kind of like, hey, Keith, you know, what do you think here? You know, maybe we should put a bunker or maybe we should build this green or, or how, how should we do this? And, you know, he just gave me the freedom to just try things. And he thought it was pretty cool because, like, I was so new. I wasn't programmed into one way of seeing things. 
I just I was looking at this like this is the newest thing, and then Dave with his knowledge, and then him treating me like an equal, and that that was I mean, you know that 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 really meant a lot for me. Here's this guy with all this knowledge and then treating me like my first time to ever shape on a on a on a course, and this guy's treating me just like a friend and an equal, and that 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 just really meant a lot to me, and it really gave me the chance to to learn and have fun and. You know, another funny story was I think it's uh, one, two, three, the fourth hole there. It's a punch bowl green, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out. They kept on saying punch bowl green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're going to build a punch bowl green, and I was like, I, a punch bowl. You know, I'm thinking a punch bowl. Where? How, how's it going to drain? You know, what is this? I don't get this punch bowl. I'm visually the actual punch bowl. I'm not thinking of a a template hole punch bowl green. <laughs> I didn't even, that wasn't even in my, you know, vocabulary at that point of what a punch bowl green was. I didn't know template holes. I didn't know any of that stuff. And that's what Bill and those guys would kind of laugh, you know, but Bill too would take the time for me, a kid that, you know, he didn't know if he was going to, you know, if I was going to be working for him or if I was going to go on to the next job, but he took the time to even mentor me too. I remember him taking me to the second green out there on the main course and explaining the slope on how it kind of rolled over the contour of the green and kind of had a false front Mm -hmm. and kind of how the green cut down below, but still the, it kind of folded off. And I, I didn't, you know, that's that, that's that great little par three that's cut into the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A great, great hole. And, and that was, you know, him taking the time to kind of know that I kind of learn more in a visually thing, visual way instead of explaining to me. He took me out there and took the time to walk around that green on number two and say, hey, this is what we're looking at for the short course. And then he kind of explained to me on the punch bowl and stuff like that, and I got it. So, you know, I mean, I know that probably some of these architecture guys are like, keep it and never know what a punch bowl green was, you know, but I didn't know. <laughs> you know, it was all, you know, it was all learning. And, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, just having guys like Bill, Ben, and Dave Axon, and all the other guys with Core Crenshaw, you know, and, and just being able to learn from those guys. I mean, it's like, you know, each day you got Professor Bill, you know, out there when you're around him, and you're just being a sponge, just taking in what he's telling you, and, and, and you just pick up on the things that he does out there and how he treats people. I mean, I know we're kind of going to, going all over here but that's what this is for just, you know that's yeah that's that's the biggest thing is just the way that i didn't go to school to get a landscape or architecture degree so i've, I've got but a, i had the very opportunity yeah go ahead i've, I've got to ask you so um i i don't i wouldn't say that i i know bill core i've uh, spoken to him a number of times over the years and i had him on this podcast um couple weeks ago um he uh, to me you know in my experience with him he's he's the most generous earnest polite uh just a gentlemanly man he can't be that good you tell he's must he must have a dark side he must have he must have like there must be a bill number two um has he have you ever seen him get upset or what's he like when when things are not going the way he wants them to go uh, I mean, when you think of Bill, I mean, I just have to go back. When you think of Bill, I, I, you just think of integrity, and and that's a word that always like comes to my mind yeah, when, me too. when 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 I think of Bill, you know, and and he's you know, 
he makes you he I'm trying to think of what I'm gonna say here, but it's not only what you learn from him on the site on design about the golf course, about what you're doing, but it's also you learn how to be a good person and the stuff that you learn from him, how he treats people and how he brings people in and the relationships that you build when you're doing this. You're not just building a golf course. You're building relationships with people that you're building it for and you're building it with. And I think that's just something that you really learn from Bill is that, you know, it's, it's about building a golf course, but if you walk away from this and you just build a golf course and you haven't made friends and relationships that last a lifetime, then, you know, I think you're not doing it right. That's just my opinion. But that's just, you know, talking about Bill, that's, I, I could go on for another hour about Bill and how, how fortunate I am to work for him. And it just, he's just a great, great person to, to have as a boss and a mentor and everything, but so you know, I, going back to yeah. You know, so the I'm only, not I'm not going to be able to get you, yeah. I'm not going to be able to get you to reveal the, the story where he put his foot through a trash can or you know said you know told somebody to go fuck off or anything like that. No, the only time I ever saw Bill disappointed or, or frustrated, he'll laugh about this too, is at Lost Farm on the number on number one tee. Bill had this tea cupped in and there was, I guess these really cool trees that he wanted to keep. And Bill had put ribbons on the trees for the trees that he wanted to save. Mm -hmm. And Richard cut all the trees down with the ribbons off. (laughs) (laughs) So he cut all the the trees that Bill said, do not cut these trees. These are the trees to save. And Richard thought it was to cut those trees down. So he cut all the trees down so it completely changed kind of where Bill was going to build number one tees. We shifted them a little further left. And I think now is his you know, current location for his clubhouse. And I know Richard, I, it's, I knew that he had in his mind probably way before that he always knew he to put the clubhouse right there. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, well, you know, it was, but that was the only time where Bill was like, oh man, but he's also off a, they don't, you know, 14 hour flight, jet, jet lag, you know. Yeah. Those, those colors on the trees mean something different in the Southern hemisphere. It's, we got the signals crossed. Yeah. 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 Well that, that, yeah. you know, Lost so, Farm no, would I, probably rank, be ranked 15 places higher if uh, those trees were still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's always a funny, funny thing. I just, you know, thinking that back to that. But, you know, Bill is, you know, I think Bill's had a lot of people that have in his life that have given him the opportunity that a lot of people, you know, would say, you know, like I think when, you know, I know he talks about a professor that when he went to school at Wake Forest, the other professors were like, oh, you're just a, you know, from a small town, you know, you're going to fail out of here. You're not going to be anything, you know. And, you know, you, you, we don't want to even give you our time because you're not going to make it, you know? And, you know, I know he had a professor there that, you know, saw something in him and, you know, really mentored Bill. And I really think that that's always been something that Bill's like always wanted to give back to other people to see that potential in, in the people that are around him and bring that potential out. And and he Bill does that with the people around him, but he also does that with his sights on his golf courses. So I mean, again, I don't know how many times I got to stop and just like I, I just think back, like 
how great it is to work with Bill and where I come from, you know, from, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, and then have the opportunities to work in all these beautiful places for Bill. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that I'm just really, really humbled by that, by that. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. What is, so what is, what's the experience like when you, Ben Crenshaw comes on site? How is the, the dynamic between he and you and, and he and the crew? You know, I know Bill's on site a lot more than, than Ben is, but what's what's he like to work with? Oh, Ben's great. You know, he's always always excited to see us, always excited to get, you know, he always just, he's like, man, that's this is really good, guys. This is really good. And, you know, you, you see having someone to work with and have the both dynamics of Bill and Ben to, to collaborate together. To, you know, where Ben sees something one way and then Bill sees it here and then they get together and then they get the best potential out of the property. And that's what I think is so cool is that Bill doesn't get locked in. Ben doesn't get locked in, you know, and, and if they do, then they figure out a way to, to get through that. And then whatever it is that they're worrying about or, or concerned about gets 10 times better. That's just a really neat thing where, you know, in all Ben's experience, you know, playing and bills with routing. I mean, just all the things that come together, like those two guys, I mean, the opportunity for them to bills like, Hey, who would you work for? If you would work for anybody, well, I, I really think Ben Crenshaw and then Ben Crenshaw and this guy knows them to, you know, put them together. And then Court Crenshaw, I know, I mean, I guess too, I mean, to explain how Ben is too, it's core Crenshaw. It's not Crenshaw right. core. Yeah. I mean, most people with the, the, the known name, would always have their name in front and that speaks a lot about Ben, you know, and they just another great guy, just another, I mean, two of the best people. I mean, I can't sit here and brag enough. They're just two of the best people to work for. And, and I just, you know, just all the, all the people that they've worked with. I mean, you know, I think Ben could be, the national ambassador for golf. <laughs> you know, I think he should have a, a position in, in, in the government and be his position of the czar of golf or something, because the way he, the way he treats people that, you know, we might be having lunch at some place in town and someone will come up and say, Hey, I, oh, man, Ben, I followed you all through your career. You know, it's, and he'll just spend, he'll talk to them. Like they've known each other for years, you know, and just treat them with so much respect and and just spend time with them and talk to them. And, and I just, that's what's so neat about Ben and Bill. But yeah. I think that collaboration is what makes these golf courses. You know, because, I mean, to say that you can walk out there and say that you got, I got this. This is, I know exactly what I'm going to do here. But to have someone like Ben to bounce ideas off and collaborate, I, I think that's cool. And there's no ego there. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing with these guys is that it just know they're not attached to their egos. And that's, that's, what's really neat. Man, this is too good to be true, Keith. Yeah. I was thinking today about, um, yeah. there's yeah. a, yeah, there's a, I was thinking of this. There's a, there was a, um, when Bandon Trails was opening, Lynx Magazine on the cover, they put, 
Bill and Ben and, you know, it was probably Dave and uh, Dan Proctor and maybe Jimbo or something. I mean, like the Shapers were on the cover of a yeah. magazine. I mean, they, they had been elevated, the whole crew, everybody had been elevated to, you know, star status, at least in the in the golf world. And, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, here here comes this young run, you know, this this uh, greenhorn, uh, you know, Keith Reb's coming on. These guys are just going to totally haze him and give him shit and pull pranks. But, like, uh, you know, what you're saying is, is like these guys were just like great from the beginning. It's just too good to be true. There's got to be something there. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we all have our, you know, we all have our little things, you know, we all have our challenges, but you know, we all get through it and we, you know, we build great golf and, you know, I mean, I think, I think each person, I mean, kind of like the whole core Crenshaw group. I mean, you can kind of say they're almost like the Sandlot crew. You know, we didn't go to Cornell. We didn't, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, I mean, Dave Zinkan did and he was, you know, he's out on his own now, but you know, a lot of the guys just, or maybe running a dozer or maybe working in a pro shop or I think Jeff Bradley was emptying garbage cans at the golf course at hot springs, right. at hot springs yeah. uh, country club. And that's where, you know, got an opportunity to get in the, you know, Dave gave him the opportunity to get on a shovel. And then, you know, the next thing you know, I mean, he's building these beautiful bunkers all over the, the country. So, yeah, I mean, it's just everyone, you know, everyone has their story and, and you know, how Bill, brings us all together and you know these these golf courses you know come you know come together and and that's what that's what's so neat is just you know the leadership you know when you have that leader at the front everything uh moves forward so Mm -hmm. so on on your crew on any given job that you work with with uh bill and ben does anybody have a specialty what how do they define what roles all the whatever shaping crew they have on the project who does what does anybody have a particular specialty that they're known for i've heard that bill finishes most of the greens but beyond that um what does does dave take a larger role what does jimbo do like what do you do what would a typical division of labor be yeah i mean so like jimbo jimbo is like a shaping so he'd be shaping more the greens fairways but a lot more of like the greens and the green surrounds and each job is so different but but I would say like Jimbo would be a dozer, mainly dozer. Jim Craig would be a dozer guy, you know. So he's shaping greens, fairways, and things like that. And then you have like Jeff Bradley, and he's you know specifically bunkers. building bunkers, yeah. and that's his thing. Yeah. So he's kind of like the bunker specialist. And myself, you know, I've tried to take a lot of roles. You know, I like running the jobs. I do the shaping, do the finish work. I'll build bunkers, you know, I'll, I'll get in the trenches, you know, I'll break. I, you know, I don't, I know that I'm classified with core Crenshaw as a design associate and a shaping specialist, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of these roles are, I kind of like, enjoy doing multiple things. So. so when you are, when you are on the dozer and you're shaping, even whether it's at winter park or, or with corn Crenshaw, What's going through your mind is that are you getting in like a zone? Do you listen to music? Uh, are you like what? What's the? Do you get into some kind of zone or flow? What's it? What's your? What's your mode of operation when you're on the on the machinery? I think you know you just you just kind of relax. You're kind of in your zone. You you do get in a zone. You get some music going. What do you listen to? And you just kind of let things. <laughs> I listen to. Uh, house music and electronic music, which most people nice. would probably be laughing right now, but 
Um, so <laughs> it's uh, more like a Daft Punk type music. No. I mean, people Respect, man. right now are probably laughing because the electronic music and the, you know, it might, it might go from Daft Punk to I might be listening to The Roots or I might be listening to common or or outcast or you know just kind of whatever whatever it all has beats though you know it's kind of tempo yeah it has it has a beat yeah yeah Yeah, so it has a tempo so you're out there you know you just kind of you know enjoying the music and then just shaping away and just having fun and not i guess not trying to overthink things when you're building it you know i think one thing with bill and ben that they've really taught all of us is to know what you got and know when to walk away. So not to overcook things mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and really have fun. You know, that's, you know, and just kind of jumping back to Colorado, but just first meeting Bill and Ben and them making a comment to me that says, you know, just have fun with this, Keith. And, you know, that, that model and thinking that with the landscapes and kind of the contractor model, and you still try to have fun, but it's work, you know, you, you have a job, you have, you know, you have responsibilities to get this job done, yeah. you know, get it done. They're still expecting and, you to get it right and, and, at some point. Yeah. 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 But then Bill and Ben are saying, just have fun with it. And if something happens, you know, then it happens. And, you know, sometimes mistakes are the best things that can happen on the golf course. Some things with, where someone dumped a pile of dirt over here, or dug the wrong bunker here, or, or a irrigation blowout, you know, happens. And then a, a bigger bunker happens. And then you're like, Hey, that's, that's pretty neat. So I think for me is like, you know, I just, I just try to have fun. I, you know, it's kind of like my office, you know, I get in there and I just kind of, you know, get in the mode. I mean, heck, even I'm listening to the podcast, you know, I listen to your podcast. I listen to golf getaways. Thank and you. I listen to, you know, the fried egg and, you know, I listen to a lot of these guys, you know, cause I mean, there's, there's things I can learn from, you know, everybody, you know, I mean, I, I find it very interesting to hear different people's, you know, path into this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for, for all the people in the field and, you know, it's, it's a difficult field to be in and it's very challenging and it's really neat to hear other people's stories. And so I, I'll listen to, I'll be listening to the podcast too. And in the, in the, in the dozer. So. Will you listen to this podcast? Can you, can you bear to like hear your own voice and your own conversation? Uh, yeah, I, I probably will. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> It'll depend on how many times I say, you know, you know, I mean the over and under on, you know, is uh, I'll cut all those I out. I, I promise. I I'll, I'll cut time. most yeah, of those out. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you cut most of those out, I think, uh, I think I spent too much time up in Canada. Yeah. Um, up at Cabot Cliffs and kind of got in that mode. So. Right. Well, um, moving into your own, you know, your own um, design phase, um, I was curious, is, was, was there a point working for, for Bill and Ben when you start, you know, you're, you, go, you're, you go for a long time and, and you, you know, you're, you're on the equipment and you're interpreting what they want you to do and you're building things for them. And, since, and you didn't come from a, a background where you'd studied classic courses in architecture and strategy, but what, was there a point that you can put your finger on when you started to understand the big picture of their design elements and the way routings worked and the way holes were set up and why bunkers were placed the way they were and why greens were shaped they were? Was there a point when sort of the whole golf strategy aspect of it started to reveal itself to you? Yes. 
old town, <laughs> old town club. Mm-hmm. Because which is the golf course for Wake Forest in nope. North Carolina? Uh, Perry, yeah, Perry Maxwell. Forest, so that's where Bill. Yeah, Perry Maxwell course, beautifully routed. Use the land to the fullest potential. So much character in that golf course, and the greens and everything. And then working on that golf course, and then knowing that that's where Bill played college golf. And then that was the aha moment where I said, that's why we do this. That's why we build this. That's why the greens are open. You know, you have ability to run the ball up. Or this is the reason why, you know, there might be a contour in the green like this, or the bunker placement, or the, the way it's crowded and the way the land's used. And that was, that uh, Old Town was like when it all kind of like, you, you start to see the influence of that, that Perry Maxwell had on Bill and then, you know, them working at Prairie Dunes and other other golf courses of his. But that that was the moment where I was like, okay, I, I see I see what you're doing here, here, Bill, and this is really neat, and this has really got me interested. And just also learning more about Perry Maxwell. Here's a guy that was a banker that his wife saw an article in a magazine, and he's like, hey, I see how much tennis is taking out of you. Why don't you Why don't you look at golf? Why don't you look at these pictures of this golf course, uh, National Golf Links of America, and check this out? And then him going and and seeing that golf course and getting that interest in that, and then doing his own golf course, and then just kind of like, I mean, just learning as you go, and then getting that love for the game, and 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 just and then t- kind of taking the information that he got from. C.B. McDonald and, and then McKinsey and all these guys and then taking all the, you know, and, and learning from them. I never really felt like when, when reading about him, like it was a, a competition. It seemed like all those guys raised the bar for each other. Like them being around each other wasn't like, hey, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to get better than you. My name's going to be better. It was like, hey, man, I can learn from you. And, hey, why don't you help me out here? And I, I think that's one thing that is – is you know one thing I see that I wish we'd kind of get back to a little bit more is that collaboration, where all these guys have these talents, and we can put them together in a group. And it's not so much about the name on the golf course and who designed it, but basically, hey, look at this golf course. This is really cool. This is really neat. You know, this is really interesting. <laughs> it makes someone get interested into golf rather than it being about you know the main name of the designer on the golf course. So. That's so, um, you know, that's, I know it's kind of going in a long way. No, that's so long-winded. interesting that you mentioned that because I have this this written down here. Uh, I was going to ask you, as you know, you work with at Winter Park. You work with Riley Johns and Blank Conant. There are other people that have worked with Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw, and a lot of people who've crossed over and worked with Tom Doak and a lot, you know, a couple shapers that young guys that have worked with Gil Hans or or Mike DeVries and a lot of these design build firms, it, it seems like there is a spirit of collaboration now that I see developing amongst your generation of, of designers and architects and shapers. And, and it, it, do you, do you sense that? Is, is that something that drives you? Is that something, is that, you know, the millennial uh, in you coming out and, you know, the, yeah. the social media generation, the sharing generation. Um, what's behind that? Because I do feel like that's kind of the next thing that, that's coming up is this sense of collaboration rather than competition. I, absolutely. It, that's what energizes me right now, seeing and having the opportunities to work with these guys. 
and and like Riley and Blake and any of these guys that I could work with, you know, and just collaborating and getting together. It's it's so much fun. It's like Winter Park was fun every day. I mean, there was a challenges and there was things that we faced each day, but I look forward to every day that I could walk up to Riley on the dozer and we could talk about something or Blake or or Don the Half near anybody, anybody with the city, just to kind of bring out the talents, you know, and that's why, you know, I wanted to join up with Riley because I didn't go to, to school to be an, an architect and get my degree in landscape architecture. There's a lot of things that I'm, I'm learning on my own right now that Riley went to school with and went to school for, and he's learned. And Riley is absolutely so talented at his artistic renderings, his master plans. I mean, that guy is so talented. <laughs> And, 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 and I don't have that. So it's like, and, and Riley's so talented at, at shaping too. So put those two together, you know, you know, me coming from all learning so much from Cora Crenshaw and the management side and all those things. And we can put our you know talents together and, and bring it to winter park. And that's where, you know, I really look forward. That's, that's what gets me excited about, you know, this next generation of if we can all get together and, and work together for the game of golf rather than trying to, you know, compete against each other. You know, I think it, I think it'll, I think we'll really generate some really cool golf courses. Yeah. It's so different from the, the existing model where the, you know, there's the architects whose name's on the door and then you have everybody who works under him. And then if you've been there long enough, you're ready to go out on your own then you hang out your own shield and start the process over again. Uh, it's refreshing to see sort of the, this crossover between uh, so many, you know, shapers and young architects. Um, that would be a great point to kind of talk about Winter Park. So it's a, it was a nine-hole golf course in Winter Park, which is a, a community on north side of Orlando, run down, 100 years old, just got community play, but it was, you know, basically a dog track. How did, how did you get the job, and were other, were other firms bidding for that job? Yeah, yeah, there was a... There's a lot of people competing for that job. You know, what we brought to the table is we said, hey, we'll, we're going to be living here. We're going to be here every day. You're going to see us every day. You're going to be able to walk up to us on the machine and talk to us. And we're going to be building this. We're going to be on the machines handcrafting this golf course for you. We're not dropping off a set of plans. You know, we're not just going to farm it out to a contractor because we knew that the price was going to, you know, you were run up the price and you weren't going to be able to put it into the, you know, into the golf course. It was going to go to, you know, bid documents. It was going to go to plans and all these other things. And, and that's what they saw as a way that we were going to come, that we we're going to be there on site and, and build it for them. So, and, and have them be part of it. That was another big thing is that we said, Hey, you know, this isn't us coming here. We're not going to take the key from you guys and give it back when we're done. We want you to be here with us every day, you know, with the, with the superintendent at the golf course, you know, the staff on the golf course. We're right there with us building this. So they took pride in building it with us, and then they have pride in it when we leave. And they're going to protect that. And then when something happens, they know how to put it back. <laughs> You know, and that's what we said with the city. We're, we're, we're here to partner with you. You know, you guys have resources. You have talents. You have 
the things that we can all put together and make this pr- project successful. And, you know, that's, that's what they saw. They saw someone that was wanting to partner with them and, you know, the city, uh, the city trusted us. That, that, that's, that's a really cool thing is when you think of a city, you think of, okay, we're going to have meetings. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about it again. And we're going to talk about it again before we actually start. And the city trusts us fully. And that trust made it so much easier for us to make, make moves and get that project done for, you know, under the budget. <laughs> I think, I think we just saw what the potential was of the site of the people that we were working for and the potential of the people that we had on our crew to, to, to mesh together. So winter park could be successful. And I would say it, it's, it's successful. Yeah, you got the job. So <laughs> not, obviously... not trying to be talk, not for to be cocky or anything like that, but it's, it's, I hear the stories. I hear the people sending me messages on, on social media. Like, Hey, I just played or my son, it was his first time to play golf. You know, he's out there playing, you know, or, or they're out there putting on the little putting course, you know, starting out. And it's just, that's what's really re- rewarding, knowing that this nine-hole golf course is going to grow the game. And that's, you know, that's, if we can walk away from every golf course knowing that we've, <laughs> that we've done our part to try to help grow the game, I think that's where our focus needs to be. Was that the first Especially on municipal community golf courses? So. Was that the first job you'd bit you ever bid on as a solo practitioner? Not solo, you had partners, but was that the first? Oh yeah, yeah. That that, that was a uh, you know doing the whole bid process. So I'm in Tokyo. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Yokohama, Japan, doing that. Riley's in Canada, <laughs> so we're all working on you know the RFP, doing the responses and everything like that. And I'm re- reading the response thing, and they're like, oh, this has to be notarized. <laughs> so I'm in Japan, and I'm like, how do I get something notarized in Japan? <laughs> so I had to schedule an appointment with a U.S. embassy <laughs> in Japan, get an appointment, get my background checked, get on the train, go into Tokyo, and then pay $50 <laughs> to get these documents notarized in Tokyo, send them back to the U.S., to be put in the RFP thing. So it was a challenge. I mean, it was a, it, it was an easy process, but I mean, with, with Riley's talented artistic things to put in it and his ability to structure the RFP. I mean, I know that I heard when they were doing the, the vote for the golf course, um, I don't know who it was, but someone said, if, if this is the quality of the golf that we're going to get because of the quality of the RFP that this is the best quality RFP I've ever seen come across my desk. I think we're in good hands. And for him to say that, you know, it was, was a really cool thing to hear because I mean, we want to push dirt, not push paper. You know, that's, that's our biggest thing. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, these RFPs are necessary and, but they're a challenge. And, and it's one of the reasons why Bill says he never does city jobs because of all the RFP all the different dynamics in a city. I mean, that was the first thing that Bill said. Are you sure you want to get involved with city? You know, that's not, that's probably not what you want to do on your first project, mm-hmm. Keith. <laughs> don't get, don't, don't do this. This is why we don't work with cities. You know, it's, it's a challenge. And I, I didn't see that one time with Winter Park. The only time I was kind of like, okay, guys, is when I got the contract and it was like 110 pages. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, and I, this... I printed off that whole contract on my printer. 
and the printer actually broke down before it actually printed the whole the whole <laughs> the whole contract. Started, smoke started <laughs> coming out the back. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. That was the only time where I was kind of like, okay, well, but I know how the city works. They want to protect their city. They have, that's their job is to protect their, their citizens and make sure that they don't, you know, because there's a lot of times where people will come in and they'll, they'll take advantage of a city and they'll leave them with a subpar thing and then go on to the next city. And, mm-hmm. and that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to, you know, make sure that we were there for the long haul and getting a hold of Ed Batch, the superintendent, as much as I can to check in with him, see how things are going and, you know, checking with Matt Hagerty and Matt Janelle and all those guys out there. And Did, so, yeah, that's, you, I mean, well, that's kind of the, 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 the long process of what it was. So. Were you aware of, of the other architectural or design firms that were also bidding for the job? Uh, not really. I mean, we didn't really we didn't really think of that. We were just like, hey, you know, we, we know what we can do. We were worried about what we – you know, we were just focused on – You were like, you we're, we're going to give it our best shot no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're just going to... But you, you probably felt like... Did you feel like it. you were outsiders or underdogs in the whole process? I mean, I think you I think you're always kind of feel like you're a little bit of an underdog, you know? I mean, you know, we didn't have... This is our first job to actually officially have a job with our name on it. So you got these two young guys going to Winter Park with the RFP saying, hey, you know, believe in us, trust us, we, we can do this. We've built great golf all over the world and and we work with some of the best people in, in, in the industry, but yeah, we don't have anything, you know, I'm sure the other guys had 50 golf courses under their name and they took a chance with us. And, and we knew that if they were going to take a chance with us, we were going to give them everything that we could give them out there. <laughs> I mean, we were out there every, every day in the dirt trying to make that golf course the best we can. I mean, we couldn't let, we couldn't let the city down. We couldn't let the mayor down. You know, all these people, they really trusted trusted us. I mean, there was there was a first time where there was a few people that would come up to us and, like, that were in the industry, and they're like, are you sure you guys are going to do this for $1.2 million? Are you guys, are you, are you sure you got this, you know? <laughs> and, and you know, at the end, the end we, 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 we pulled it off. And, you know, everybody, the city can stand up and, you know, be proud of what they did, you know, and everybody can you were able to completely redesign the course. You couldn't reroute it, but you could you could rebuild the holes. Did you have ideas in your mind of types of holes that you wanted to create? And that was kind of a, a blank canvas where you probably could experiment or put things on the ground that you've been thinking of. So I guess my question is, did you go into it with a specific design intent or inspiration? The first thing that we did before we ever even got involved with the project is we we looked at the soil maps of Winter Park in that area. We found out that the sand that was underneath that golf course drained at 25 inches an hour. So we almost had like USGA spec sand mm-hmm. to work with, you know, so we knew we had, if we could get the patch and we could get the old grass, I mean, there was almost six or eight inches of like built up organic matter after you got the grass, because that's just the breakdown of the, the blades of the grass being cut you had this almost dirt layer and then once you broke that dirt layer you got to this perfect perfect sand so you know knowing that we had that in our back pocket it gave us the opportunity to shape some really cool contours in the fairways i mean that that golf course is absolutely flat it was a polo field everywhere (laughs) like the third hole was they put a some infrastructure underneath the fairway to to help with storm drainage 
they did this whole massive excavation and then they, the the road department actually put the golf hole back and they built it with like like how you build a road <laughs> so the the middle was sloped and then the slope right and left like one or two percent it was just all the way to the green there was no interest there's nothing interesting in that fairway at all and then the green i think the green even had a hole in it basically <laughs> they wanted to drain <laughs> So, you know, we, I think we just, we, you know, we put out the concept, you know, you got to have something to kind of go with and we had concepts. So, and we weren't locked in with the concept, you know, if something happened out there that we saw that would be better, you know, with a green is just a lot of just being on the field and being able to build it in the field and being the guys that are on the green and being able to collaborate with Riley and Blake and anyone else that was, you know, in the area that you could talk to is that we just took inspiration from that and what kind of fit. Like, I think on, like, for example, like the sixth hole, um, there is a, like a lion's mouth punch bowl type green. <laughs> but we at one time had that green kind of an idea of that being on number nine. And then we kind of changed all that up. And then I think the biggest thing is we always wanted to look at when we were on the golf course is, is this a little different? Have we done the same thing on a previous hole? And we wanted to have something different because you only got nine holes to kind of get people around and, and, and have different interesting, interesting aspects and strategy to the golf course. You know, you always think about designing, or I shouldn't say you, you've done it, but, you know, somebody like myself or just, you know, the armchair guy is like, oh, you know, if I ever got a chance to do it, you know, I'd, I could envision these kind of green contours and this kind of shaping. Did you feel a sense of freedom since it was your own design that you'd, that you'd never felt before? And, and did you have to ever rein yourself in from trying to throw everything that you desired to do into this particular golf course? You know, I think there there was a there was a time on the on the fourth fairway out there, and, and as you made it around the dog leg, you know, Bill's always talked about how he doesn't like when parallel golf bunkers when bunkers are on each side. So you might have like two on each side, and there's two on each side, and it kind of lines up a little bit. Does that make sense? Kind of where two and two like even numbers going into into a green or something, or even numbers on each side. You know, you kind of stagger them, or and it, it, for me, a little bit looked like it was kind of setting up to be that way on that, on that, when you, when you made it past the dog leg, the dog leg, where, where it's kind of lined up to be even numbers on each side. And then Riley and we all kind of talked and I kind of had to break myself from like my kind of core Crenshaw, you know, kind of what I've learned from them, you know, type thing. And I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I've gotten myself a little bit locked in. So I kind of had to take a step back. And the the hole's a lot better having it the way it is. But if I would have, you know, gone with a core Crenshaw thing in the way that, you know, Bill might do it, I would have filled in the, the, the bunker on the on the left. And then there wouldn't be even numbers going up <laughs> each side of that hole, if that makes sense. But I mean that's just one thing. You're always you're always checking yourself and your ego and always want to make sure that you're not getting locked in on something and you're always open. And you like if someone has an idea you got to listen to it, take it in consideration and say, well, you know, maybe not this, but, you know, it might trigger you to kind of pivot to something different. And that's what's so neat, you know, working with Riley. I mean, Riley and Ike, we can just joke around with each other and have fun out there, Blake or any of those guys, and we can laugh and have fun or, you know, that was, that was quite an idea, you know, (laughs) but you know, it just, it's just fun because it's, you know, and even the people around us, you know, we're having fun because they could come out there and walk with us and have conversations and, 
and see the process. It's just uh, so you didn't. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't. I don't, I don't know if I were out there. I'd be I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna have like a five foot swale on the green here, and this is gonna you know pitch at six percent, and you know this green's gonna be. 9,000 square feet, you know, like you just, I, I would have a, such a hard time, you know, editing myself because, you know, it's like, you know, your first chance, yeah. or you just like the, you know, the first the boxer's first match, he just runs right to the middle of the ring and gets knocked out. So you didn't, I guess all your yeah. experience led you to this point where you have a little bit uh, of a, a wider and more mature viewpoint on, on what you, what you could be doing there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think everybody can, you know, design a great hole, but then it's like, where do you go from that? one to the next, you know, and how each of those golf holes works and have you done the same thing on this hole and then start putting the whole routing together. You know, you can go out and design a great golf hole, but then it's like, oh man, well now what I do on this one because I already did this and it's kind of thinking about how not trying to make it look like I'm sure you experienced when you've been on a golf course and you get on another hole and it might be like the tenth hole and you're like, Well, didn't we already play this golf hole? You know, it's like you feel like you've seen this already in the round and i think that's one thing that i've really learned from bill and ben is to to keep in mind to try to do something a little different in each golf hole so it kind of all works together and, and then just knowing what you got and knowing when to walk away because man you, you can get stuck on a golf hole sometimes and there's there's been times that's why i like working with dave Aston so much and you know with riley or any of those guys when you have someone that has no ego and they're not locked into what they're doing it's so easy to say, hey, man, I'm stuck here. Can you work on this for a little while? And then I'm going to go away and work on something over here. And then you end up, they might be doing something that's kind of neat, and then it, then it kind of triggers your creativity to do something different. And, uh, and, and that's, what's, that, that's what makes it fun, when you, when you can kind of work on the same hold or give suggestions and, and someone doesn't take that as, like, criticism. It's just like you just collaborate and working together. That's what Riley and I have. And, you know, other guys, I mean, Dave Axon out there at Cabot and um, even out at uh, Lost Farm was just like a collaboration of, at Cat. I mean, at Lost Farm, it was just, it was just Dave and I and, and the guys that we caught that are locals on how to do a golf course. And we just worked together and it was not like, this is my dirt. You can't touch my dirt. <laughs> Don't get on my stuff. I'm locked in. This is what I did. I like it. Don't touch it. <laughs> like, hey come over here and work on this for a little bit. I'm stuck. <laughs> is, so is that just a function of, of your own unique personalities, you and Riley and, and other shapers and obviously, you know, Dave's older, but, or, or is that a sign of, of your, you know, a younger generation? Like were you raised in a, in a different world where, you know, sharing and collaborating and, and not having big egos is the norm. And I'm a little older it seems crazy to me. I'm glad. It seems like golf's in a good place, yeah. and in good hands, but I'd be like, no, no, man, I built that green right there. Look at that bad boy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, everybody takes pride in what they built, you know, and they don't, when you see something that you've done really great and you don't want someone to criticize it or something like that, you kind of get locked in. And, you, and I guess it's just a choice that I've tried to, you know, and, and you know, maybe early, you know, I was kind of like, man, I did this and I, I don't want, you know, and then I, and then I kind of saw Dave or these different people, but I've seen when someone gives you a little input and then you change something and, and the way, like even how Bill would do it, like, I mean, he's not going to come to you and say, this is horrible <laughs> and you need to change this. You messed up, man. 
why do we have you here working? You know, it's just the way that he come in and kind of change things. So you kind of see that like, hey, if I get locked in and boxed in here, this isn't going to get any better. But when someone comes in and brings their input and then I see how it would get better each time, I'm like, wow, well, why wouldn't we all do this? You know, it's like, you know, why get locked in on it? It's just dirt. And I guess that's just me personally, the way I, I approach it. And, and I've been working with, and the people I like to work with have that same, same philosophy, not saying that they have to have that, you know, but it makes it so much easier <laughs> when you can all just be out there and you don't have to worry about egos. <laughs> that's probably why, y'all, and that's, why you that's, all still have jobs true. and have been working together for so long. If you weren't like that, you'd have been canned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Set home. <laughs> so uh, that's the biggest thing is, you know, when you get, when you got someone like Dave Axland or, or even Bill or something like that, and they, they kind of turn to you and say, well, what do you think? <laughs> and, and you're like, huh? <laughs> you know, Bill, you're asking me what I think, you know, and it's like, you know, Bill, Bill doesn't, you know, have that ego. So it's like, why would we, why would we take on that type of <laughs> mentality yeah. if, if our leader isn't, you know? <laughs> So Winter Park is is uh, to this point it's been open for what a little over a year now, and the yeah. the feedback's been great. It's a success story. What's next? Has this led to any other um, requests for for RFPs, the dreaded RFP, or are you communicating with uh, with other potential clients on jobs, Riley and you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to kind of go back to to Winter Park, I mean, for just example, like after they chose to do the renovation and everything. The first year open, they've almost doubled their income. Mm, that's and, and, yeah, I'm not trying to not trying to brag here or anything like no, that. Brag, no, brag, really keep brag away. Yeah. That's pretty. That's when pretty you, respectful. Yeah, yeah. When, when you when you can see a Muni golf course come back to life, that was, you know, it, it, it could have been sold. All that land is very valuable. <laughs> they could have sold all that land and made millions and millions of dollars for the city, and said, so "We don't need a golf course. We don't need this greenscape." You know, let's just put condos and put housing in there. And and they chose to, to, to invest in the community and invest in their golf course. And, you know, the biggest concern that they have right now is not to be cocky again or be bragging, but they, they don't have enough parking. <laughs> they don't have enough parking because people are staying there and golfing another nine. They're hanging out at the clubhouse. They're hanging out with their friends. It's become a community hub at that golf course. And, you know, that, that just is really exciting for me to see that. And, and I just, I'm going to kind of go on a little tangent here, but, you know, if you're sitting at your house right now and you're someone that loves the game of golf and you have a mini golf course in your backyard and you see that thing dying and you see the potential in it, create a board, you know, an advisory board or get together, get involved with a group of people and try to save your Muni golf course. You know, go to your city and say, hey, you know, here's some people in the industry we'd like to get together and we'd like to help you. We really want this golf course to to be still here and not turn into real estate. <laughs> and, you know, that's how Winter Park got started. And and I, I think if, if you're that person, you know, get a hold of Winter Park and, and talk to the people in the board and talk to the people in, in the recs department and ask them how, how you know, and even – you know, even if it's talking to us and say, how, how did you guys do this? And how can we save our municipal golf course where kids learn how to play golf? And how can we save this greenscape before it turns into condos or a parking lot? 
and and let's grow the game. I mean, I, I've seen so many different little things lately that people think that putting computer screens on golf carts are going to save the millennials or gonna come to golf because they can touch a screen in, in a cart. Why don't these big companies invest in these like small municipal golf courses? Put your products in these golf courses, sell your products out of there, sponsor that golf course. I think you're going to grow the game a lot more than you are to put a touch screen on a golf cart. <laughs> Just my opinion. Not, <laughs> so not a big tangent. fan of the, the Greg Norman <laughs> the shark cart. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm not. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there's a place for it, but I just kind of think about it a little bit like if it's not on a Norman golf course, do you if, if it's like a Nicholas golf course, do you really want Greg Norman giving you tips on how to play your golf course <laughs> if you're not the designer and he's a designer? I mean, I just I don't know. There's a few things that don't add up. I could go on a long tangent about it. Yeah, this sounds like a a very Scottish creation at Winter Park, you know, in this model you're talking about, you know, where a golf course is really the center of a community and people are using the golf course all day long. They're hanging out there. It's steps away from their house or it's just, it's very convenient. And that's, that's, that's really a, a beautiful idea. So going forward with this idea, are there certain elements that are necessary to make the replication of what you did at Winter Park successful? Um, obviously, if you're going to work through a city, you need great city managers and a, and a great organization to work with who understands what you're doing. But are there site-specific things? Are there elements that a property has to have to make a golf course resurrection project like you did at Winter Park successful? If you don't have the leadership and at the top, it, it sometimes can be a very frustrating point. And then you're just battling it. And then it just, it just, it just won't, it just doesn't work out. So I think it's just really the, the ownership. And then, you know, like for Winter Park, when you take, I mean, they were sitting on sand, <laughs> you know, that's another thing. I mean, these other golf courses, you know, there's difficult, there are challenges with the soils that they sit on, you know, with heavy soil, there's more drainage, there's more cost and everything. But I mean, for, if it wasn't for the leadership at Winter Park, I don't think, I don't think we would be involved because we don't, it, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> So if you have the leadership, and even if it is a bad site, you can still make something great. You know, it might take a little bit more work and some more creativity, and there's more of a challenge. But I mean, sometimes that's sometimes it's a lot of fun when you got to really go outside the box and and really pull all the creativity together that you can and bring more people in to kind of help get more potential out of that site. It's just you know the people. It's it's the people in the community is yeah. is what. I think it starts with. Mm -hmm. Well, Keith, let's let's start winding this down a little bit. Okay. Thinking about about yourself and, and your future, you've got a great. Uh, you're out of the box with Winter Park. You have tons of experience working for the legendary team of architects that people will be talking about a hundred years. The courses that you've worked on will be iconic. You have all the experience, all the talent. Do you ever just? kick yourself thinking, damn, my timing just isn't right, you know, because the golf course construction after 2008 fell off the face of the earth and, there, you know, jobs are really hard to come by. How, how do you accept the, the role and the opportunities? How do you accept that they're, you know, a viewpoint that they're so limited? Are you, are you cool with that? Are you going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I guess 
going back to like kind of where I started in the industry, you know, I, I started in the construction field so I can build, I can build it. I mean, if, if someone needs me to shape something, you know, I, I can shape it. I can shape for other architects. I can, I'll work and collaborate with anybody. So I still have the ability to go back to running equipment. And even if the industry falls apart, I'll, I'll go build roads or I'll go work for civil work. You know, I can still run machinery. I still be, I love being out there on equipment and building things. So, you know, I mean, if everything fell apart, you might see me on the side of I-5 or I-4 <laughs> tracking in slopes on, on the roads, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just not back I, to I really concrete. Have, yeah, probably not concrete and dirt's yeah. I'd rather be on a machine pushing dirt than, than pushing mud with a, with a shovel or a concrete loop. So, but yeah, it's a, you know, I, Again, I've just been very blessed to be working with these guys and meeting the people that I've met in this industry. And, you know, I'm really excited for the future. What, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at Mike Kaiser and, and Michael Jr. And, and Chris, you know, Mike Kaiser's sons that are, you know, they're, you know, those guys are going on to the next, you know, taking over that and, and, and knowing that that family is going to keep that going. <laughs> the future of golf, you know, it's in good hands with the Kaiser family. So I'm very optimistic in the future of golf. I see a lot of these little grassroots things happening out there that, that, that make me excited that I think we're on, we're on the right track. Yeah. And the thing that I see also, we've touched on it throughout this conversation is there's a lot of great talent coming up people that have worked like yourself and, and Riley and shapers who've worked with, with other design build teams who have all the skills in the world. They understand the game. They understand the process. They can build it. They understand the concepts. They can relate to people. They can work together. So if jobs come up, if opportunities are there, golf's in a really great place. If, if we can ever get to the back to the point where we're building some new golf courses. So on that, on that note about people like yourself, Who's the best shaper or mechanic that you've ever worked with? Oh man, Dave Axlin. <laughs> you know, um, I learned so much from Dave and Rod Whitman. Oh man, I, I well, I can't put. I just can't. There's so many Jimbo Wright, Jimbo Jim Cray. I mean, all these guys are so talented. Brian Schneider, Slonick, Eric Ivers. I mean, you. I could go down the list of all these guys that are just so equally talented and but you know i have to go with the person i, I really kind of learned from at the very beginning with dave I, I definitely put him way up there i mean he's just he's just a hell of a hell of a guy and a hell of a friend and he's just really he's he's taught me so much and i don't really think i'd be where i'm at without his uh his patience and just teaching me and letting me, let me go out there and do things, you know, and not say, Hey, you know, you should really be doing it this way or, or anything. He never, never said that. I would say Dave and what he's done at Gothenburg, Nebraska, and any, anywhere Dave goes, he's a very talented guy and very, very humble guy and just a great person. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, As I mean, you... I know that one of those other, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, continue. No, I was, I think you might be leaving the next question. I know you asked me a question earlier about, you know, kind of what's, you know, in the future. Yeah. I mean, Riley and I have gotten a, a few phone calls and, you know, we, we went, 
we, we lost out on one project that was going to be a really cool project, but we lost out to another person that's very talented that we know. <laughs> so it's like, when you, when you're losing out the job, just the guys that have the talents and you know that they're going to be okay. It, it, it's, it really, it makes it a lot easier to take that, uh, coming in second. <laughs> I, you know, I got a, I got an opportunity. I can't give all the details because you just, in this industry, you never know how things are going to play out, but it's going to be work with someone I have a lot of respect for and, and is in the game of golf for the right reasons and is very humble and no ego. And I, I just really hope that it all comes together because, you know, he's, he is a person that recognizes that he has a, a great site, but he knows that he can't do it on his own. And for someone to kind of say, Hey, I can't do all this, but I need someone to come in and kind of fill, fill, fill the gap or fill the void. And I need help. And, you know, a lot of, sometimes it's not easy for some guys that take a photo or a certain thing or an idea and take it to a shaper or a guy in the field and explain to them, this is exactly what I want, you know, and, and that's where he recognized he doesn't have that, but he recognized that, that, that I had the ability to, to, to take on those things for him to explain it. And if I can't explain it, then I'll just go build it myself, you know? So that's, that's what's neat. And that's, I mean, that's a really exciting project. I just really hope that comes together. I'm really excited about that. And yeah, I'm excited to work with Riley. I mean, I, you know, or anybody. Well, at least on the job that you did not get the recent one, at least it, it didn't go to Greg Norman. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I'm bagging on Greg yeah, Norman yeah. tonight. I don't mean, to, Greg, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, it's easy. Um, so going forward, uh, Keith, let, I'll just finish up with this. You know, assuming that you do get more work and you're getting more jobs and you're working with the people that you want to work with in good sites, what's your view on having people be critical of your work? Have you experienced that and are you ready to accept that as part of the job? And what's your just general view on, on people who you know, are vocal about things that they don't like to see. I know I, I welcome it because I mean, that's the way I can grow. You know, I, I want to learn from that. I, I, you know, I, you know, I wanted someone to come up to me, you know, there, there was a few times at the very beginning of winter park where there's a guy that was just walking down the fairway one day and he's like, these bunkers are too deep, <laughs> you know, being very critical of the depth of the bunkers and saying that people aren't going to, and there was no sand in it. There's no, you know, we hadn't dug out and we weren't finished with it yet, but he just had to, just felt like he had to walk out on that fairway and tell me that these bunkers are too deep. It's going to be too difficult for the people playing this golf course, you know? And I I thought, okay, you know, you don't know all the steps that we're going to do. It always looks, and that's one thing that a lot of people, a lot of times they'll see that and they'll react to it and they'll change it right away. Cause like, oh man, I got to change this. We did something wrong. You know, I took what he said. And we talked about it, Riley, and we all looked at it and we said, is this, is this too deep? You know, are, you know, are the people that play this golf course going to be able to get out of this bunker? And we all came to the conclusion that once the sand's in it, if we need to put a little bit more in it, you know, but uh, we're not going to change it. Never heard from that guy again. Never heard any, haven't heard one comp complaint about the death of the bunkers at Winter Park. So I, I think, I, I, you know, I really do welcome it. You know, I mean, I, I want to learn. I want to see other people's perspective because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to learn. You know, having Bill come out there, Bill actually took time to to, to stop by Winter Park when we were in construction and, and walk around with us and and just get his take. And I mean, just for him to spend the time with us and and see what we've done and and say, well, 
man, you guys are messing this up or something like that. You know, he was really complimentary and, and he was really excited and, and, and really saw the, the, the roots of the community and people being involved and the excitement of the golf course. I think he, he walked away, you know, happy, you know, that, that we were involved, but yeah, I, I, I really do welcome it. I mean, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of you know people out there that are like, who's, who's Keith Reb and, you know, why is he on this podcast talking about this? You know, he didn't, you know, go to college, he didn't get a degree or things like that, you know, and, you know, we all have our past to get to where we are. And, and, and we've had different people step into our lives that have given us the opportunity to get here. And I'm very grateful for that. And, um, you know, Bill was a Greek mythology major <laughs> and he's one of the, the best architects out there right now. I mean, it's just to say that there's one model to get to where we are. I can't really think that that would be. Well, let's let's just all be thank, thankful, uh, yourself included. Let's be thankful that in the architectural direction, Bill didn't slip into the Desmond Muirhead <laughs> lane and start designing, you know, <laughs> mermaid tails and, yeah. you know, clashing, gnashing teeth on the Argonaut. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, look at where look, look it was at, good. Yeah, look where Bill came from. You know, he's working with Pete Dye. I mean, he's building some of the most manufactured, but creative, interesting, different. You know, railroad ties here, back of bunkers, yeah. rail, railroad ties everywhere. I think that's what's so neat about Bill is that I think he learned like how I learned from landscapes. You, you take from those different things, and you learn a lot, and then you kind of apply them to each job or or, or how you kind of mold your kind of like your philosophy on what you're doing with golf. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big break, you know, I mean, to, to go from Pete Dye to start building your own kind of minimalist type golf. That's uh, it takes a big change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Keith, I, you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you haven't done a whole lot of media yet. I wouldn't really consider this media, but you're a natural. You d- did a great job. Do you feel good about this? You know, I, I do. Like for me, it's, it's really hard to, for me to put myself out there. The biggest thing for me is I just, I just want to build fun, creative golf and, you know, build it with cool people. And it's, you know, it's different for me to be out here and, 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 and be in the media, you know, I mean, the whole thing with the golf channel and, and getting up and speaking in front of the mayor, you know, do public speaking. I mean, that <laughs> you would ask me that before winter park. I mean, I think most people would say, I don't want to be up speaking and being in front of people, you know, I mean, I just always kind of used to being in the background and that that's, I, mean, I was really good with that. You know I mean? I, I just, I just wanted to do great for Bill. I wanted to represent Bill and Ben and, and this was, you know, not about me. And, you know, it's like now, you know, these things are coming up and we did a really good job at Royal Park and uh, I can, you know, I'm excited for the future and the opportunities that are coming down the road. And so it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you're comfortable being in the background, but yet there's a time where you say, okay, <laughs> you're not just a dirt guy. <laughs> you're not just on the dozer. You're going to apply the things that you learned and, and you're going to move forward and, and you're going to, and you're going to use the talents that you have to the fullest of your abilities. So that's what yeah, I got. Well, that's I thought I got you did a great there. job. It was, it was, <laughs> No, it was a good job. I enjoyed talking to you. I think you're going to have a lot more uh, chances and a lot more demand to talk in the media over the course of your career. Yeah. Uh, so you're off to a great start. Uh, well, I apologize for 
talking over you so much. I, no, I Derek, just I kept stepping on you. It's so great. I was pretty no, rude as a host. No, Derek, it was really good. And again, thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to have me on your podcast and, you know, to introduce me to your listeners. And, you know, I mean, like I said, I guess my biggest thing is to leave with this is like, if you love this game, figure out ways to get out there and use your talent. And if you do, yeah. if you do have a municipal course that you want to resuscitate and revitalize, give this guy a call, Keith Reb. <laughs> He's your guy, <laughs> or anybody like that. He'll do it right. Yeah, there's there's so many talented people out there, but I just really feel like there's one thing that we can do is you know get out there and and, and you know try to try to get involved. And so yeah. Well, hey, get some rest. I know you. I know you've got to get back to work. Get back on the on the shapers tomorrow. So yeah. great catch up. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely, Derek. Yep. Thank you, man. Well, that was a strong finish and a great public service announcement from Keith Reb, which I heartily support. If you love golf, get involved. Keith mentioned uh, toward the end of the inter- interview that you know people might be wondering who's Keith Reb and why is he on this podcast. I can answer that pretty easily. I invited him on the podcast. He's the future of golf. He and, and the other people that we mentioned and spoke about in this podcast, other shapers, guys that are in their 20s and 30s now that have been apprenticing with you know the Tom Dokes and the Gil Hanses and the Corn Crenshaws of the world. To the extent that great golf courses are going to continue to be built around the world in the coming you know decades, they're going to be designed and built by architects like Keith Reb. I wanted to get to know him a little bit better, understand where he came from, uh, what makes him tick. And, you know, it was really evident and, and really heartwarming, too, to, to see the affection that he had for, for Bill Coor and Dave Axland and, and the respect and thankfulness that he had for them and what they've done for his career. I think it was a very important thing when, when Bill went down to watch them work at Winter Park and inspect the site and, and give feedback. That's, this is how it works. You know, you learn from a master, you apprentice, and then when you're ready, you go out on your own and you want the approval of the, the person that has taught you what you know. And that's what they got at Winter Park. I know I'm going to make uh, my best effort this winter to get down and see it for myself. So that was a great conversation, a lot of fun. We covered a lot of territory. I want to thank Keith Reb for being my guest. Do hope we get to do that again sometime. Thank you all for listening. Remember to visit feedtheball.com for upcoming podcast episodes, and I'll also be putting up other new content on that website. For in-depth, candid course reviews and other features, you can also go to thedunkinlist.com, a little something different there. Also, follow me on Twitter if you'd like. I'm also on Instagram. It's uh, Derek Duncan or The Duncan List. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. It's pretty easy. You just go to the app on your phone, search Feed the Ball, and hit the subscribe or plus button. I also want to thank the Sundogs, the best damn rock band from my hometown of Decatur, Georgia, for letting me use some of their music for the intro and outro. Uh, But today, in honor of Keith Reb, we're going to take it home with a little Daft Punk. Uh, This one is from Deep in the Archives. (laughs) 